Hi there, I'm Rachel Zabonek-Chanko here for another episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Today's guest is Alex Schwartz, the Director of Marketing for Midtown Athletic Clubs, who joins me to discuss a really interesting case study that the club experienced surrounding marketing and sales. We talk about why the club transitioned from a fitness industry CRM to HubSpot and all of the interesting implications that resulted from that journey. It's a really great conversation, chock full of sales, marketing, and customer experience insights. Enjoy. Hey, um, Alex, thanks for joining me on the Club Solutions podcast. It's nice to see you. Very nice to see you. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you because I feel like what we're going to talk about in regards to marketing and sales is something that a lot of club operators will relate to. So can you kind of just set the stage for me in terms of the recent marketing and sales challenge that you were having? Yeah. So it, it uh, kind of bubbled in the background for a little bit, but but came to a head a little bit before COVID hit. So really in 2020, in late 2020, I was pretty new to the Midtown team, but uh, sitting in a meeting in December of 2020, doing sort of our monthly recap for how the month had been, it starts with, we sit with our ad agency, talking about our like, paid ad performance. And we're sitting there and they're giddy, they're excited. They're telling us that we have had our best month of ad performance that they've seen from Midtown. They're really proud of the work that they're doing. And they're looking at our cost per click of our digital ads and saying, this is wonderful. We're transforming your business. We've like turned, we've figured it out. We've cracked the code. Mm-hmm. The next meeting after that is our sales recap. And the mood is very different in that room. It had been one of our slowest sales months of the year. And it was a moment when we realized like, we're not speaking the same language. Yeah. Um, there is a, a complete disconnect. Unfortunately for our ad agency, you know, we, we don't sell clicks. So the cost yeah. per click is nice, uh, but uh, there was a disconnect with what was going on with sales. So we really felt there's there like a Rosetta Stone missing, a missing link uh, between what the, the marketing team is doing, what the sales team is doing. Uh, and so it was at that time, we really started thinking about how, how can we make sure that we're speaking the same language and we're on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that was definitely not in alignment. So um, what did you guys end up finding was the issue that was causing the discrepancy? You know, what we thought at the time it was the root cause is that we were not looking at the same piece of information and there was not a link between what we were looking at and what they were looking at. And so one of the things that we sort of joked about in our, in the system we were working before our sales system before is that the marketing piece of it was only one field of data, which was the lead source. For the, for the person coming in, the, the prospect coming into to the sales team. And the only one was website because the form that the prospect filled out to become a lead existed on our website. And we used to joke that that was a lead destination, not a lead source, because yeah. there were all these things that brought them to the website. It wasn't the website that actually generated that, 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 that lead. But what it meant was we couldn't connect the person's marketing journey to their sales journey. There was that, that moment where we lost all information about the person. And so we really felt that that, that moment was the moment we needed to address is how, how can we make sure that handoff of information that we know about them from the marketing side goes straight into the sales side um, and make it one journey instead of two totally separate journeys. Yeah. So people were coming to this landing page, but you guys had no idea how they were getting there in the first place. If they sold or didn't sell. 
okay. whatever happened to their behavior once once they became a lead and got to our sales team, we couldn't connect them to what the behavior was before. Gotcha. But when gotcha. We, we knew everything that they did ahead of coming to the website, and we knew everything that they did after becoming a lead, but we couldn't connect those two people. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so what was the solution that you guys ended up coming up with? So we decided to implement a new sales and marketing platform, a new CRM. Uh, and we identified pretty early on in the process HubSpot as the as the platform that we wanted to go with. There were a handful of important objectives that we had uh, in evaluating certain platforms, but really the kind of the big three were were privately held. We have no public shareholders. We don't have a PE firm that owns us. We answer to the members. And so the number one most important thing for us was we needed a platform that we could understand the members better and serve them better. Uh, so better data, cleaner data, uh, and more unified journey uh, that we had a, a view of for the, for the member. The second thing was, think of our marketing team a bit like mad scientists. I, part of our job is testing and, and learning and trying out new things and seeing how it affects people's behavior. And so we really wanted to pick a platform that we felt we could iterate on really quickly. Yeah. We come up with ideas and test it, and we didn't feel held back by the software. We wanted the capabilities of whatever software we were doing to either inspire us or at the very least not feel like breaks on us. And the the other piece of that is if we felt it was important that the business ran the platform instead of the IT department running the platform. And so we really wanted to pick something that felt like we could use it out of the box or as much out of the box as possible. And that you know, implementing new workflows or automations and making changes. We could do it as the marketing team or the sales team or our service team without becoming a ticket in IT and going to someone else and sort of having that delay. Uh, so th those things were really important to us and they brought us to the HubSpot platform. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, there's nothing worse than going to implement a new technology or tool and then not really understanding how to use it or solve problems. It just kind of defeats the purpose. It does a little bit. You know, it slows things down uh, and we like going fast. Yeah. Yeah. So once you guys did implement HubSpot, what were some of the key learnings that you found from the implementation of that? There were some really exciting things that we did over the course of the implementation that were choices that we made because Midtown as, as a company was in the middle of re-instituting uh, new software. New yeah. systems. So we had learned some lessons and we were able to bring it into HubSpot. And so the first really fun, exciting, I think pretty impactful thing that we did is we made sure that the team that was implementing HubSpot was not just me or just me and the sales leader or just me, the sales leader and the IT leader. We created a team of about 20-ish people, which feels like a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but it worked really well uh, from all across the organization. So every level from the sales rep coming in and helping us to people on our service team coming and helping us, people on the marketing team coming and helping us. And we all just sat in a room and it was very agile. It was like, we're building a war room, clear your calendars for three days, we're building this thing together. Because when you start from scratch and, and you build it, it's not one or two key decisions you're making. There's thousands of little micro decisions. Yeah. Know, how do we want to distribute leads. What happens if a sales rep is not working tomorrow? Should they still get leads today? You know, all these little decisions that you're making have a huge impact on how the thing actually works. We had all the stakeholders in the room encouraging lots of different opinions and then just making a choice and putting it in. Uh, and so it did a lot of things for us. 
one, it just it created people throughout the organization that were already bought in and understood why we made some of the decisions that we made because they're in the room. Yeah. And so when they go out to the clubs and we start using the software, they can explain, oh, you know, this is why that works. And, and there's, a, there's an expert at, at every club and every department. That's so powerful. Very powerful. It also means you get better, better decisions. Yeah. You know, I don't know everything. You know, our, our executive team doesn't know everything. Our IT team doesn't know everything. It really helps to get all these different perspectives to poke holes in some of the thinking and the decision making. So it just got us a better product. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that helped a lot too. And then the other fun thing that we did is we kind of we went live December 13th because we needed to have two weeks of the sales team using it before January. Like that's <laughs> we start yeah. in January. And so those two weeks, everyone who's part of the implementation team continued sitting in that room with an open Zoom call open to the entire organization where anyone at any moment could call in and say, hey, I don't think this is working totally properly, or I noticed this little weird thing. And we and we talked a lot about don't wait for something to be wrong. If it doesn't feel right or something is strange, call in. Because you're, pro you're probably onto something. And really, it was those two weeks where literally the entire organization was calling in and noticing things. That's really when we built it. You know, basically yeah. everything that we did was rebuilt or tweaked or improved a little bit over the course of those two weeks after launch. Uh, and it was really fun and exciting. Yeah. Um, so, so that was that was also a, a, an implementation thing that I would, I would recommend if, if you can do it. It also meant this giant thing that we built yeah, that only took us a couple of months. I think we've got a really great, you know, a really great product. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool how you just empowered your teams to like share feedback, make decisions. I think, you know, investing in a technology is very complicated. And a lot of times, I think once you've made that decision, some people, especially staff, maybe on the front end kind of feel like, well, you know, we've, we've, we've invested in this. It is what it is. And they kind of take this mentality as like, it's just very passive. And it sounds like you guys really took a different approach and wanting to activate your staff to really, like you said, buy into the product and actually make it better. Absolutely. And, and still to this day, you know, that, that's a mentality that really kicked up during that period of time but it's not gone away. So in that moment, when we were bringing all these teams together, which is really kind of the service team, the sales team and the marketing team, we've continued that relationship from there. So we've built that Rosetta Stone in that period. Uh, and you know, it's a platform. It's, it's what we're gonna use to continue getting better and continue growing since launch we have done for the past few years and, and are gonna continue doing for years to come. And so that mentality of really that one team mentality when it started, it was just sales and marketing. So we called it smarketing. Uh, and then we added our, our service team and our product teams. So we don't have a good, uh, uh, <laughs> we don't have a word for that. So if anyone can think of anything, uh, you can go to the comments and let us know. But uh, now sort of expanding the scope of that to, to not just marketing and sales, but, but service and product also has been uh, key for us. Very cool. Well, tell me a little bit about some of the results that you guys have gotten from this HubSpot implementation and this journey. Sure. So I'll start with the, sort of the sales and marketing piece, which is was sort of the driving force behind it. And then since then, where we've, we've invested a lot is on the service side. So I'll, I'll share some of that too. One of the ways that we look at our year-to-year -year performance is we look at our Januaries, January over January, uh, sort of as an indicator of how much have we built? How much have we changed? How much have we improved every year? Because uh, January is so important for us. 
in 2021, some clubs are still closed, so we'll sort of ignore that. We um, <laughs> we built HubSpot in December of 2021. So January of 2022 is our first month with HubSpot. That January, we had 181% more leads than 2020. Wow. And 181% more sales than 2020, which is shocking that the conversion wow. was able to keep up with that much more lead production. Yeah. The following year, January of 2023, we're 423% above that. Wow. In leads and 270% above that in sales. What's happened is there's been so much lead volume, we have had to re-engineer our sales team to accommodate the amount of interest that we're generating and coming in. Oh, wow. It's really important to us in our prospect experience. We want to get back to every single lead in five months. We think okay. when, when someone is showing an interest in joining, there's that moment of inspiration that we really want to capture and make sure that we're connecting with them in that moment. Well, with that lead volume, with the sales team that existed, they're in the club and they're touring leads that, that came in yesterday and they're, you know, they're, they're out and about and showing people the club. They, it's very difficult to do that and to be responding in five minutes whenever that person, whenever that lead shows interest and comes in and fills out the form online. Yeah, so certainly. we built a full new sales group that just responds to those fresh leads, helps get them interested in the club and books the tour for the touring reps. That's a lot of handoffs happening. That's now yeah. marketing to this sales team, handing off to the touring rep team. One of the things we want to do from the very beginning was make sure that's a unified experience. Mm -hmm. But we fragmented one additional time, which means the system's really got to work. So that handoff is really clean for that person's experience. One of the ways that that, that, that has shown up, a little less than half of our tours of the club, we call our self-booked. A self-book tour is when a prospect comes online to our website, researches the club, and goes straight into booking the tour themselves in a link before they've ever connected with anyone on the sales team. We care a lot about giving a great tour to somebody. Mm -hmm. One of the pillars of that great tour is what we like to do is when if someone is interested in a certain aspect of the club, we want the leader of that team to be on the tour with that person. So an example would be someone is interested in tennis. Traditionally, they'd be on the phone with the sales rep and talking about tennis. And we knew that they're interested in tennis because they're talking to the, to the membership rep. We'll get our tennis leader in the club to be available during that time of that tour so that when we're walking by the tennis section, oh, look, here, you know, here's uh, the manager of our tennis team. Why don't you guys chat a little bit? I'll grab us smoothies. And now you're on your tour. You're meeting someone in the club that you're forming your relationship with. If the prospect self-books, we haven't spoken to you before you come to the club. So yeah. it's really difficult to create that experience for that person. What we were able to build in HubSpot is it tracks everyone's usage of our website. And we've created little categories of interest based off of the certain pages that that person has gone to and how long they've spent on those pages. And that goes straight to the sales rep. So as that tour is booked, they never spoken to that person, but we're able to still craft that experience of the tour for that person before they show up. That's so really cool. Think about great service. It's, we want to anticipate that person's needs. And so we can still now provide that experience for the prospect coming in because the system lets us have such a clean handoff. Yeah, that is so cool. So if I were to go to Midtown's site and I spent a lot of time looking at the yoga offerings, you would that, and you know, I self-booked you would then know that, 
oh, I need to show Rachel our yoga studio. And it'd be introduce her yeah. to the yoga, a yoga teacher. That's right. When we're at our best, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, any other ways that you've kind of changed your sales process as a result of HubSpot? It's kind of like a kind of a no-brainer, kind of an easy thing, but was really difficult to do with our old platform. I'd mentioned most of our leads come from our website. It's like 85 to 90% of the leads come through one particular form on our website, which is the form that people fill out to get a pricing quote. Before we switched to HubSpot, we were on a system that that lead generation form was built universally for their system. So every single company was using the exact same form. And so they couldn't really customize it based off of the tone of voice or the brand of that company because it would change it for everyone. Oh, wow. <laughs> HubSpot was, you, you know, you can change all the forms all the time. Yeah. So we, we identified this is driving a huge part of our business, this form. And so we want to go through and make sure it's friendly and easy to, to fill out and have, has sort of no-brainer things like you're almost done, last part of the, the, the journey. Uh, we're really excited to connect with you. Just little little touches like that. On December 12th, before we went to HubSpot, that form was converting people at 13%. So that's someone who saw an ad of ours or heard word of mouth, came to our website, clicked around the website, became interested in the club, clicked in to check price. Most of those people, the vast majority of those people fell off, didn't fill out the form. Only 13% finished the form. The day we went to HubSpot, December 13th, and we updated the form to our new form, it immediately went to 26%. Wow. In a day. So it's effectively doubling the leads just from creating a little bit better, a little bit nicer of an experience in a moment when, you know, people are not sure they want to give you their information, what are they going to get in return, and just make it a little bit better, kind of a huge impact. Yeah. It seems like the ROI um, is pretty apparent in just some of the metrics that you all have been measuring. It's been really exciting. And I mentioned before, we get to be a little bit of a mad scientist. The other thing that we, we learned and we studied our member data is the best predictor of how long a person is going to stay a member was their behavior in the first 60 days of their membership. If we could get someone very early in their membership, interacting with us as much as possible, creating the habits that, that would have them see the value of the club within those first 60 days, we could keep them a member and keep them happy for years. So those first 60 days became really important for us. We started really experimenting with what we could do in those first 60 days to drive behavior. And again, it's like kind of a simple thing, but we decided on day two of people's membership, we would just send them $25 of club cash. We didn't tell them we were going to do it. It's like a surprise and delight thing. Yeah. HubSpot allowed us to create basically a test in a control group. So it randomly, through all of our members, randomly would send half of them this thing and, and not the other half. Now, if anyone complained about that and came to us, we would give it to, give it to them, of course, <laughs> them from the test. But we wanted to see how, how can we affect behavior early on in the membership. And, and it was this platform that allowed us to track it. So we had this go for like six months of, of test. By the end of the six months, here's what we learned from this. The people who received the $25 spent on average $157 more than those who did not receive the $25 in the wow. just in the first 60 days. They checked into the club three additional times than wow. those who did not receive the test. And they had what, what for us is the most important thing, two additional interactions. Interaction is something that, that we track maybe a little bit differently than, than some other clubs. It is 
any time a member is having a personal interaction with an associate at the club. So regardless of dollar value, we don't look at dollar value at all. It's either one or zero. They check into the club, do a run on the treadmill, go to the go to the locker room, take a steam, and then leave. That's that's a check-in, but there's zero interactions. If they come to the club and buy a smoothie, so they're interacting with someone at the at the smoothie counter, that's one interaction. If they come and take a tennis lesson, one interaction. So they interacted two more times on average than those who, who didn't receive this. And, that, and that, to us, that's really important and a really good predictor of people's likelihood to stay. So it had a profound impact. Yeah, um, that's fascinating. That's the kind of test that we couldn't have run uh, w- without the system in place. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're really getting actionable data now. It, it, yes, it, it uh, feels that way for sure. On the service side of the business, we really like to get a pulse on how our members are feeling. And the only way we really used to do that was through NPS surveying, Net Promoter Score Survey, which does help us understand generally people's disposition of the business. Are, are they willing to recommend us to a friend? Yeah. Through HubSpot, we've added a second type of surveying, and we're, we're currently evaluating a third. But the second type is CES surveys, which is Customer Effort Score. And that's a judge of how easy we are to do business with. And so after someone goes through a process, they're quickly met with, did Midtown make this easy for you to do? And it's a zero to seven, you know, one to seven scale. And that has really helped us understand as we are building out these different user journeys and trying to make things as easy as possible, we kind of learned we're we're a little bit difficult to do business with. (laughs) Well, the health and fitness industry (laughs) tends to be that way. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's helpful, it's helpful to put a number on it and be able to track it over time. Uh, and what it what it caused us to do was identify certain journeys that were really important but really difficult. And although some of them, are, you know, our member management software is is not yet able to do some of these things, like book a personal trainer, we built what's what are called mechanical Turks using HubSpot to solve some of those issues. A mechanical Turk comes from this like machine that. This, uh, I think, like an Austrian guy invented in the 1700s, that it was a chess playing machine, and people would come and play chess against it, but it wasn't actually a machine. It was a person hiding behind a curtain doing mm-hmm. the chess moves. So it's sort of like you think it's a machine, but actually it's yeah. a And so we built all these forms that simulated that you were self-booking things like a personal training session or, or a, tennis, a tennis lesson. It felt like you were self-booking it. But what it did is it fed uh, the form to someone on our team who then processed it and booked it for you. Um, so we were able to build some of those to supplement the things that we couldn't do because we realized how difficult it was for people to, to achieve those tasks. Yeah, very interesting. I feel like nowadays customers really just expect frictionless experiences. So I think that's really cool that you guys kind of really dug in to find out where maybe that wasn't happening in their journey. And it was more places than we had hoped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think before we before we made the switch, I, I sat down in a room for half a day and I, I listened to a little over a thousand phone calls from members to us and marked down the outcome of every single call. And the, the honest truth is we were not up to snuff. Um, and, and there were some structural issues in our ability to handle some of these you know, service requests coming in, including when people called to book personal training. The front desk would answer, would transfer them to the personal training department, 
in the personal training department has been coached to go out on the floor, meet members. Yeah. So no one was answering. They're not at the phone answering that, that phone call. And almost yeah. all of those phone calls are going to voice. And we would wow. follow up, but that's not a great experience. Yeah. Um, and so we've, we've built this whole new phone structure within HubSpot tracking and making sure that things are not going to voicemail. And now very, very, very few uh, calls are going to voicemail or before of all of our calls, it was over 50%. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Very, very cool. I mean, it sounds like with HubSpot, you guys have been able to make some really key improvements. Um, I guess to kind of close, are there any final takeaways or insights that you could share with other club operators from this experience? I think one of the biggest takeaways for us that has changed the way we evaluate software from, from this project. We used to use a lot of industry software and we would look for software vendors who were built for our, you know, the software is built for our industry. So things like the workflows and some other stuff is sort of pre-built. Uh, and we felt that that was going to be easier to implement and to run long-term. And what we learned through this process was actually going with industry agnostic, big platforms. They generally will have integrations that are pre-built and out of the box. There are, there's talent all over the world that like fantastic talent who knows these systems inside and out, who can help build, rebuild some of those workflows. And they have such better reporting and such ability to make changes quickly that in the long run, it's much easier to run uh, uh, one of those bigger, you know, industry agnostic pieces of software, which now we've taken to our, you know, our, our um, associate management software and uh, thinking of moving and, and some other places alongside that. So that was a, a pretty major shift in how we thought about our, our software platforms through this process that has, has been good for us. The other really important thing that we learned uh, from that process is to bring the whole team in bring the whole team in early, involve people from all the different departments, make sure it's led by the business and not just by IT. Uh, IT obviously is a big part of the process, um, but a lot of that decision-making, key little micro decisions that are gonna define if the platform lives or dies and gets adopted, so important um, that you have key stakeholders from all in the organization throughout the entire process, not just hearing about it afterwards. Yeah. So to other operators, don't be afraid to look outside of the industry for solutions. Don't be afraid. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, thank you, Alex, for your time and just kind of sharing that whole you know case study surrounding HubSpot. I think that's really fascinating. And I think it'll give club operators a lot to think about. Perfect. Good. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you yes. for having me. Of course. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.